chapter 1. We'll just read down through verse 12. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Okay, Revelation chapter 11 this morning. We're back into the book of Revelation chapter 11. We've been studying through the tribulation period, and uh, this is the, I think if I've counted right, at least the 22nd message on the subject, there may be a couple more, somewhere around 2021, 20, 22, and we've just reached the center point of the tribulation period, really. We've just made it through the first three and a half years and we're in the midpoint of the tribulation. Our reading for this morning is Revelation chapter 11 verse 14 through verse 19. I'll allow you just to sit this morning. Uh, Ian's already given you a workout, so I'll let you sit and uh, I'll be merciful. Revelation 11 verse 14 through verse 19 is where we'll be covering this morning. Let's read it, verse 14. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign for ever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants and the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices 
and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the Word of God and as we learnt in discipleship course this morning, thankful, dear God, that I can trust it. Thankful that I don't have to approach the Word of God wondering if it be so. But I'm thankful, Lord, You've preserved it for me. I'm thankful I can read it in confidence. I'm thankful it's not the words of man, but it's the very words of God. And Father, I'm thankful You've preserved it for me. I'm thankful it's inspired. And Lord, I'm just thankful that it's the perfect Word of God. And what a privilege it is. What a blessing that we can open the book, we can read it, we can study it, we can preach from it, we can obey it, we can believe it and apply it to our lives. And Lord, we just ask Your blessing. And amongst all that this morning, Lord, we pray the Holy Spirit of God would just open our eyes and our understanding. Pray that You'd guide us into all truth, give us a deeper understanding of Your Word. But then, Lord, how we pray, You'd make uh, practical application in each and every heart. And Lord, I pray that You'd be honored and glorified in it. Lord, I need Your help this morning. And no doubt each and every soul needs Your help. And Father, we ask Your blessing upon our time together, not only here, but our dear church family that are at home, gathered online. We pray You'd bless them and help them this morning. We plead in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll do a small amount of review just to bring us up to where we're at and remind ourselves of a few things. It's been a couple of weeks uh, since we've been on the subject. And uh, so let me just... uh, give a a small review of what we've covered already and uh, where we're at today. Uh, You, Those of you that have been here from the beginning, you may remember the the outline and the overview of of the book of Revelation, the tribulation period, and the book of Matthew chapter 24 and how they correlate together. And and, uh, so let me remind you of that. It would do well for you to go back and just remind yourself of that. If you don't have a copy, I can get you a copy. But I encourage you to go back and just uh, have, a, have, a, have a look over that and study it again and just remind yourself of some of the things that we've covered and where we're at now. And uh, So let me remind you of the seven seal judgments. We've seen the white horse. We've seen the red horse. We've seen the black horse, the pale horse. We've seen the martyr's prayer. We've seen signs in heaven. And we've seen... Uh, uh, the, 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 the seven trumpet judgments that are contained in that seventh seal. And we've seen that. We've studied through that. We've looked at chapter eight and, and chapter seven and the parenthesis through there. And, and then we, we saw the seven trumpet judgments in chapter eight through chapter 11. And again, these first seven seal judgments and these first seven trumpet judgments cover the first three and a half periods of Jacob's trouble. We've seen, with the, with the trumpet judgments, we've seen one-third of the earth smitten, one-third of the sea smitten, one-third of the rivers smitten, one-third of the stars smitten. We've seen demonic locusts torment men out of the bottomless, out of the, out of the pit of hell. We've seen the demonic horsemen slay one-third of mankind. And then we come today to the temple of God opens and the seven angels with the seven vile judgments. And this is where we're up to. Uh, We're up to this seventh trumpet judgment. And what's contained within this seventh trumpet judgment 
is the seven vile judgments, which are also referred to in Scripture as the seven last plagues. The sounding of the sixth trumpet is right back. We're in chapter 11 and we're up to the seventh trumpet, right? The sounding of the sixth trumpet is right back in chapter 9, verse 13 through 21. So the last few weeks, we've been focused upon this midpoint of the tribulation around the abomination of desolation and all sorts of things happening uh, with the, the angel and the little book, the measuring of the temple and the two tribulation witnesses. We've seen their witness, we've seen their life, we've seen their death, we've seen their resurrection, we've seen their ascension. And that, that this all happens in this midpoint of the tribulation period. We remain in the midpoint of the tribulation period until chapter 15. So this morning we're going to see the sounding of the seventh trumpet, but we're not going to see what's revealed in them, the vials, until chapter 15. Because with the sounding of the seventh trumpet, there's a whole lot happens in heaven and on earth before the vile judgments. So we're going to remain in this midpoint. It's a whole lot of information and different things going on. There's movement in heaven and on earth at this midpoint. And that's what we're covering in Revelation chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. Turn your Bibles, if you would please, to Matthew chapter 24. And I'll read you a corresponding chapter in Matthew 24, verse 15 through 21. This passage in Matthew chapter 24 correlates with this midpoint of the tribulation period. Matthew 24, verse 15 through verse 21. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, Whosoever readeth, let him understand. The abomination of desolation takes place at the midpoint of the tribulation period. So do you see how that correlates with the midpoint of the tribulation period? Verse 16, Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your, your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. At this, at this midpoint of the tribulation period, we have the abomination of desolation. We, we have the, the, the rising of the two tribulation witnesses. And you may remember when we looked at these tribulation witnesses, you may remember that I mentioned to you that they stay and testify in Jerusalem while the remnant flees into the mountains. 
And that's what we have here in Matthew 24, verse 15 through 21. You see that fleeing of the remnant of God's people. They flee Jerusalem and those two tribulation witnesses stand and continue to preach the gospel of the kingdom and witness of the goodness of God and the gospel of God during this great tribulation period. Jacob's trouble, or Daniel's 70th week, is divided into two three and a half periods. The first three and a half periods is the beginning of sorrows. The second three and a half period is referred to Matthew 24 and verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation. They haven't entered into great tribulation yet. It's been tribulation. I mean, you look at what they've already been through. Hundreds of thousands, hundreds of millions, billions of people already killed. All sorts of judgment already poured out. But that's not even great tribulation yet. That's on its way. And at this midpoint, we have an awful lot going on in heaven and on earth at this very midpoint. And as I said, that's what's covered in Revelation chapter 10 through Revelation chapter 14. There's a lot of happenings in heaven and we're going to see what's happening in heaven. We sort of, in today's lesson, we, we cast our eyes from, we've been looking at what God's been doing on earth in the, trumpet, in, the, in the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments. But now with the sounding of this seventh trumpet, something happens in heaven before anything happens on earth. And what we're going to see is some things happening in heaven this morning. Notice, if you would, please, turn back with me to Revelation chapter 11. And uh, I'd like to draw your attention to verse 14. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. So two woes have already been. There's three woes are declared in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 13 as a result of the sounding of the fourth trumpet. You can go back there and look at that, Revelation 8, 13. Well, let's have a look. Let's flick back, Romans 8, 8, 13. Let's remind ourselves a bit of review. Revelation 8 and verse 13. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Woe! Woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. So three woes declared in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 13. With the sounding of the fifth and sixth trumpet, we see the first two woes fulfilled. And we see that in Revelation chapter 9 and verse 12 and Revelation chapter 11 and verse 14. Two woes already fulfilled. And we see there in our verse, in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 14, the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe cometh quickly. What's the third woe? The third woe is the sounding of the seventh trumpet. The third woe is the seven vile judgments. The third woe is the seven last plagues. The third woe is what's referred to in your Bible as the great tribulation. Have a look with me in chapter 15 
and verse 1. We'll see where it's, they, they are referred to as the seven plagues. Revelation 15 and verse 1. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvellous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them is filled up the wrath of God. You see, the wrath of God's not been filled yet. We're just getting to the great tribulation. We're just getting to the great wrath of God. Even though we've already seen a fair bit of wrath and a fair bit of judgment already. So the third woe is the second half of Jacob's trouble, which the Bible refers to as the great tribulation. The seventh angel. We've seen six angels. Remember they were standing around the altar, the seven angels standing around the altar, and they all had a trumpet. And we've seen each one of them sound their trumpet. One, two, three, four, five, six. This morning we come to that seventh angel standing around the altar. He puts that trumpet to his lips and he sounds that trumpet. And we see that in Revelation 11 and verse 15. Notice verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded. He sounded his trumpet. So here we see the sounding of this seventh trumpet. But what we don't see is what's contained in this judgment is the seven vials, which we do see in chapter 15 and verse 1. Are you with me? Or just like, am I making a mess? I feel like I'm making a mess. I'm hoping I'm making it clear. We've got the sounding of the seventh trumpet. With the sounding of the seventh trumpet, a lot happens in heaven before anything happens on earth. Over the next few chapters, with the sounding of the seventh trumpet, there's a whole lot happens in heaven and we're going to be focused in heaven and then we're going to come back to earth in chapter 15 and see what's contained in the seventh trumpet and what God's going to do through the vile judgments, through the third woe on earth, which is the great tribulation. So our attention is heavenward for the next little while. All right, point number one this morning in our text, we're now in Revelation chapter 11. We're focusing on verse 15 through verse 17. These, the first point. Rejoicing in heaven as Jesus reigns. Rejoicing in heaven as Jesus reigns. Remember the attention is in heaven. The trumpet has sounded, the the angel has sounded the seventh trumpet and with the sounding of the seventh trumpet, notice what it says. And there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, this is what they said, saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. We see rejoicing in heaven, as Jesus reigns. I want you to notice uh, we see great voices in heaven and we see what they're saying. They're saying that the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign 
forever and ever. There's a couple of statements in there that are very important that you must get a hold of. You've got to be careful that you read your Bible carefully. I want you to notice two statements. Uh, Highlight them, underline them, write them down, make note of them. The two statements are this. Are become. Shall reign. Are become. Shall reign. These these statements of are become and shall reign indicates at least two things. It's talking about the fact that Jesus, the kingdoms of this world, are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Two, at least two things. I'll give you at least two things that that indicates. The kingdoms of this world are not his right now. It says, are become. If they're going to become his, they're not his now. And then it says, shall reign. Well, that indicates that he does not rule and reign on earth right now. That's an amazing verse. With the sounding of the seventh trumpet, there's rejoicing in heaven. And the reason they're rejoicing in heaven is because the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only does do the kingdoms of this world become his, but at last he shall reign. So right now, in where we're at right now, and through the first half of the tribulation period, the kingdoms of this world do not belong to Jesus. And I know that might grate you, me saying that, but let me work, your, work my way through it and you'll see what I'm saying. And it also indicates that he does not rule and reign on this earth right now. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Let, let me establish this truth with you. Let, let me explain to you what I'm saying. Hebrews chapter 2. I want you to make note of this. Man ruled until the fall. That's what we're seeing here. Man ruled on this domain. Man ruled in this world. Man ruled this earth until the fall of man. And you see that in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. When God created the earth, he put man in dominion and in power on this earth. Hebrews 2 and verse 6. But one in a certain place testified saying, what is man? that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man, that thou visitest him. Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownedest him with glory and honour and did sit him over the works of thy hands. Notice that statement. And didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. So when God created man, he put everything under the subjection of man. Man man was told to keep. Man had complete dominion on this earth. And everything was put under his subjection, under his feet. But the end of verse 8 says... But now we see not yet all things put under him. Uh, I'm pretty sure you don't have dominion here. 
I'm pretty sure you have no control out there. You have no authority out there. You don't have control of this earth. Man is no longer in authority on this globe. Why? Because it happened at the fall of man. When Adam sinned, they lost the authority and the power that God had given them on this earth. There was a vacuum left. Second point I want you to notice is, so man ruled until the fall. Who filled that vacuum? Well, the devil rules now. Go with me to Luke chapter 4, if you would please. Luke chapter 4. You say, well, I just don't like the sound of the fact that Jesus doesn't rule and reign. Well, we'll iron it out in a minute. Just bear with me. Luke chapter 4. Here, the Lord Jesus, before He, really before He sets off on His earthly ministry, before His crucifixion, before His <coughs> earthly ministry, He's been baptized, remember, and, he, and remember He's tempted for, uh, He fasts and, uh, in the wilderness for 40 days, and He's tempted out there of Satan. Uh, so that's the context. Notice Luke chapter 4 and verse 5. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, that's the devil taking Jesus up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Well, I, I just really struggle to get my head around that. God manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ in the flesh. <laughs> His arch enemy, the devil, takes him up onto a mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. Can I explain that? Not a chance. Go have a look in verse 6. Notice what the devil said to Jesus. And the devil said unto him. Notice it. All this power will I give thee. The devil, the devil said that to Jesus. The devil said to Jesus, all this power, all this authority, all this kingdom will I give thee and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me. He said, someone delivered this kingdom unto me. Right now I have this kingdom. Right now I have the power. Right now I have the authority. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. The devil said to God, the devil said to Jesus, all this is mine. And you know, if you just bow down and worship me, I'll give it all to you. You know what he was trying to do? He was trying to tempt Jesus into falling and worshipping him because he knew he was headed to the cross. Have a look at, it's an amazing passage. Notice verse 7, If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. So right now, even the, the devil's testifying that Jesus does not have the authority and power in this world, that he is the authority and the power in this world. Verse 8, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So the devil declares the kingdoms of this earth and their power, their glory and their authority were delivered unto him. He also declares that he can give it to whoever he wants to. And Jesus didn't dispute the devil's claims. 
Jesus didn't say, you're a liar. You don't have all this kingdom. In fact, he said, he rebuked him, pretending him to worship him, but he did not dispute his claim. Jesus did not refuse, uh, Jesus did refuse the offer of these kingdoms in exchange for his worship. Jesus said, I'm not worshipping you. I don't, I don't, I'm going to get the kingdoms a different way. You see, Jesus knew the big picture. Remember our verse, remember the big picture. The, the, the kingdoms, what, what's, what's our verse say? I don't want to misquote it. Revelation 11 and verse uh, 15. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Jesus said to the devil, look, I'm not going to bow down and worship you because I've got something else in mind how I'm going to get the kingdoms. He said, but I've got to go through the cross first. That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, I haven't convinced you. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. It struck me funny when I started studying it. So this can't be right. But it's, it's right. It's what the Bible says. Ephesians 2 and verse 2. Verse 1 talks about being quickened, being saved, and uh, the Lord saving us and quickening our soul. Ephesians 2, 2. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. As a lost person... You walk according to the course of this world. According, notice the statement, to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Who sets the course of this world? It's not Jesus. If it was Jesus setting the course of this world, we wouldn't have voted in, uh, we wouldn't have passed full-term abortion in Queensland. We wouldn't have legalised gay marriage in Australia. Jesus isn't setting the course of this world. Jesus doesn't set the course of Hollywood. Jesus doesn't set the course of worldly music. That's the spirit and the prince of the power of the air. That, that's the devil. He sets the course of this world. And that's why you are challenged and that's why you are uh, exhorted and warned not to drift into worldliness because when you drift into worldliness and you embrace the world, you're embracing the course of the devil. It's the devil that sets the course of this world. Satan is the prince and the power of the air that's spoken of in Ephesians 2.2. 2. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 6 over another couple of chapters. Ephesians chapter 6. Notice verse 11 and verse 12. Notice the Christian is exhorted to put on some armour. Why? Well, because we're in enemy territory. You're not in heaven. You're in enemy territory. So put the armour on. Notice verse 11. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
what are we wrestling? As Christians, we're told to put on the armor of God. Why? Well, because we're in enemy territory. And, and what makes up that enemy territory? Who, who, who operates in that enemy realm? Who operates in that spirit realm? Is principalities. Powers. Rulers of the darkness of this world. And spiritual wickedness. We haven't got time. I'd love to, but we haven't got time. So I'm going to give you the reference. I'm going to encourage you to go read it yourself. It's illustrated in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1 through verse 21. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1 through verse 21. This principle, these these truths of principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness, it's illustrated in Daniel chapter 1. Let me just briefly mention it. We have Daniel. We have Cyrus, king of Persia. We have the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And we have Michael, one of the chief princes. Daniel's praying to God. He's praying for an answer. He's been waiting three weeks, 21 days. He's been waiting for the answer. Michael finally gets to him with the answer to prayer. And he said, look, I I tried to get here, but he he had a, a battle with Cyrus, king of Persia. And who he was actually battling with is the is the, the, the term is, let me find my notes here, I lost where I was. The term is the prince of the kingdom of Persia. So you got Cyrus, he's the king of Persia, but then you have the prince of the kingdom of Persia. It's my understanding that that prince of the kingdom of Persia is a spirit being, a wicked spirit being that's influencing Cyrus, the physical, literal king of Persia, and he's influencing that government and his decisions. And it's, it's that prince of Persia that Michael the archangel was doing battle with in heaven for three weeks trying to get the answer to Daniel. See, there's an awful lot going on out there that you don't understand that I don't understand. And the reason there's an awful lot going on out there is because Jesus is not ruling and reigning on this earth and Jesus does not have the authority over the kingdoms of this world unilaterally right now. Okay, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just a little more evidence. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's a lot to take in. And I, I'm moving through it quickly because we have a lot to cover. But I uh, encourage you to do your best. Go back and listen if you need to. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 3 and 4. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter, it's, it talks here about the gospel. In verse 3, it talks about if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Don't hide the gospel. Notice verse 4. In whom the God of this world. See, that's a little g. That's not the God of heaven. That's Satan. That's the devil. In whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believed not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The God of this world is not Jesus. The God of this world is Satan. It's the devil. He's the little G-O-D of this world. And if your gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And the reason some people find it so hard to come to a place of salvation is because there's a great big spiritual battle going on and Satan wants to keep them blind because he wants their soul in hell. 
Okay, so at the beginning, man reigned on this earth. Man lost authority of this kingdom and the kingdoms of this earth through the fall. Satan filled that void and that vacuum. But the third thing I want you to notice is Jesus will reign in the future. Jesus will reign in the future. You may remember in the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and verse 18, it says there, and Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So if Jesus has all power in heaven and in earth, how is it that he's not in control on earth right now? Well, it's, it's, it's like this. A lot of people have a lot of authority to do a lot of things. But not everybody exercises on all their power all the time. Police officers have the power and the authority to pull you up whenever they want. I mean, they can just make up a reason. You've got to scratch on your back light. And they have the authority, flick the lights on and pull you over. But, I mean, I drive past belief, but police officers, I think I've been pulled up maybe once or twice, three times maybe in my entire life. I've passed hundreds of thousands of police vehicles all around the place. They don't exercise their power all the time. They just exercise their power when they need to. Jesus has the power. He just hasn't exercised the power yet. He has the power. It's not that he's not powerful. It's not that he's, om- he's not omniscient and he's not omnipotent, and and it's not that he's lacking the authority, it's not that he's lacking the power, he just hasn't exercised it yet, but he's going to. We come, as we come to the close of Daniel's 70th week, and we come, as we come down to the close, and we think of the battle of Armageddon, we, we think of the beast and Satan being cast in the bottomless pit. Jesus does exercise his authority on this earth. He does take rule. He does set up his kingdom on this earth. And he does rule and reign for a thousand years. But before he does that at the end of the great tribulation, there's things happening in heaven. There's transitions taking place in heaven. There's things happening in heaven before they happen on earth. Say, oh, I don't know about that. We'll go with me to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. And what we see here, Daniel chapter 7 is the cross reference for Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15. I'll read, uh, while you go to Daniel 7, I'll just refresh our mind in regards to Revelation 11:15. The seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Daniel chapter 7, uh, we'll start in verse 9, and we're going to go through verse 14. I beheld till the thrones were cast down. That's an interesting... We're talking about thrones, kingdoms, dominions. I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit. That's a name. See it capitalised? The Ancient of Days did sit. 
whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered under him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain. See that? And his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Uh, That doesn't happen till the end of the tribulation period. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away. Do you see that statement? The rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. Notice this statement, I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man, there's Jesus, came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. I believe the Ancient of Days is God the Father. And they brought him near before him. And there was given him, notice this statement, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So we see one like the Son of Man coming to the Ancient of Days We see the beasts slain. We see other beasts lose their dominion. But we see the dominion and the kingdoms given to the Son of Man. We see a transition of power and authority take place in heaven at this midpoint of the tribulation period before everything plays out in the last half on earth through the tribulation period. a result of this transition of authority in heaven, the result, of, the result of the kingdoms of this earth, of this world becoming the Lord Jesus's, that, the result in heaven is rejoicing. Go back with me to Revelation uh, chapter 11 and <clears throat> verse 15. The seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Now there's Jesus reigning in heaven but the result of that is heaven rejoicing. Notice verse 16 and verse 17. And the four and twenty elders. Now you'll have to go back to Revelation chapter 4 and you'll need to remember we identified the 24 elders as being representative of the church of Christ. The 24 elders in the book of Revelation represent the, the New Testament church. The four and twenty elders, so what's that? The church in heaven. As that's taken place, the saints of God that are before 
before God, they fell upon their faces and worshipped God. Notice what they said. We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and has reigned. Church, right now we don't rejoice in this world. And what this world has to offer and what's happening down here in this world, there's not much to rejoice about. Our rejoicing is in Jesus. Our rejoicing and our, our joy and our blessed hope is that one day the trumpet's going to sound and the church in Christ shall rise and will burst through the clouds and will we'll go to heaven, right? But while we're in heaven, and, and, and we'll get to this, I'm only going to get halfway through, I'm, I'm done for the day. Um, we, we'll finish verse 18 and 19 next week. What, what we're going to... We're, the church is raptured, Revelation 4, 5. The, the church is raptured, triggers the tribulation period. While the tribulation, while Jacob's trouble is, is, is going on down here on earth, we're in heaven. Uh, we're, we're before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is happening at this stage. After the rapture, during the tribulation period, we're standing before the judgment seat of Christ. And as I said, we'll get into that a little bit in verse 18 and verse 19. But our blessed hope is we're going to heaven. We'll, we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We'll receive our rewards and different things. But then... Praise God. What's going to happen with the sounding of this seventh trumpet is there's going to be a transition of power in heaven. Jesus is going to take full control and full authority and, and he's coming back on a white horse. And remember what he's coming back written on his thigh? Oh, he's coming back written on his vesture. He's coming back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Right now, He's not King of kings and Lord of lords on earth. We acknowledge that He is in heaven. We acknowledge that He is in our heart. But not on this earth, He is not. Satan is the God of this world, but He's coming back. And as He rides His white horse, thank God I'm going to be on my white horse too. And I might be a little rusty on the trot and all the rest of it, and we'll get back in the groove of riding a horse pretty quickly, I'm sure. And those of you that never have, trust me, you're going to love it. You know, there is nothing more... Exil- I, I, I have not come across any... And when I say this, I mean f- physically speaking. I've never come across anything more exhilarating than being on a powerful horse at full tilt. Reins loose, leaning forward, and the horse... Ju- I mean, there's nothing more exhilarating. There's no greater adrenaline rush for me than something like that. You might think, well, that might be a bit scary. You'll be right. It'll be a sanctified horse and you'll have a sanctified body and it's not going to pig root and butt, buck and everything else. You know, you'll be okay. But folks, that's our blessed hope. And that's what we look forward to. The day that Jesus Christ will rule and reign on this earth. But right now, Satan is. And that's why the world is in such a mess. Because Jesus isn't ruling and reigning on earth right now. 
thank God because I'm saved, He does rule and reign in my heart and He does your heart. And He is your Lord and He is your Saviour and He does rule and reign in the spirit realm in your heart and in your soul. But as far as the kingdoms of this earth, Jesus, He's not the one influencing these governments to do what they're doing. It's the devil that's influencing these governments to do what they're doing because he is the little G-O-D of this world. But what a blessed hope. Do you see what's happening with the sounding of the seventh trumpet? There's things happening in heaven before they're played out on earth. Go with me to, uh, are you there in Revelation uh, 11? Uh, I'll just read down through verse 18 and 19 again. And I encourage you to read through these verses over the week and we just haven't got to them today. I'm prepared, I'm ready to go, but I'm, I'm wore out and you're wore out and lunch is nearly ready. So notice verse 18. Notice there's that tr- transition of power that takes place that we've seen in verse 15. We've seen, we've seen them rejoicing in heaven in verse 16 and 17 with, that, with the Lord Jesus being given that dominion and that power and that he's getting ready to exercise that full authority. Notice verse 18, and the nations were angry. What a contrast. Heaven's rejoicing, the world's angry. And thy wrath is come. Now God's fixed to pour out his wrath. It's, it's about to get real. And the time of the dead that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, to the saints, to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. We'll get into all that next week. Notice verse 19. See, it's in heaven. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. What an amazing passage of scripture. What an amazing God we serve. I hope you're ready. Listen, if you're not saved... Uh, the trumpet could sound at any moment and uh, I'm gone. I won't eat lunch. I'm not going to stop for a feed. Uh, I'm going to heaven. But, but let me say this. If, if you're not saved, you're, you're not coming. You're not coming. You're staying. You're staying. And it'll be too late for you. And you think about the reality, you're saying that's, look, that's all just, that's all, man, that's, that's sci-fi stuff. That's, that's, that's out of this world. It is out of this world. But just because it's out of this world doesn't mean it's not real. It's a spiritual reality and there's a spirit realm. There's a spirit realm we don't see. We only get a glimpse of it every now and then. But there's a spirit realm that's very real. There's a heaven that's very real to gain. And there's a hell that's very real to shun. And the only way for you to gain hell, uh, gain heaven and shun hell is through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ that we saw this morning. He was tempted of the devil and, and the devil tried to get him to bow down and worship him. And he didn't, he didn't yield to that temptation He went on and he lived his life and at the age of 33 he died on the cross of Calvary to pay the debt for your sin that you too might have eternal life and go to heaven 
and be with him for all eternity. What a blessed truth. We're going to leave it at that this morning. Thanks, bro. We're just going to have a word of prayer and uh, then we'll be dismissed.